Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. Today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops Today I'm chatting with Mallory Kaiser from the Goat Patch, a farm out west of Spirit River, and we'll be talking about her farm, uh, goat production in the piece, and uh, that sort of stuff. But before we get into all of that, uh, Mallory, would you like to introduce yourself, uh, tell us a bit about how you got into goat production? Hi, I'm Mallory Kaiser, and I farm northwest of Spirit River about half an hour. I grew up on a Black Angus mix cattle herd with about 150 head we had at one time and mixed with grain production as well after my I left for college my grandfather got very sick and they decided that since I wasn't around it was time to sell the cows and start over and I've always kind of had a, a drive for having animals in my life I met my soon-to-be husband um, he was kind of a country kid but not a farm kid himself my husband Sean and uh, once we did buy our place out by Heinz Creek, I wanted to get into cattle right away again. And at the time, the cattle prices were astronomical for even a cow-calf pair or bread heifers. So I was listening to CBC Radio one evening on my way home from work. And Lori Fries, uh, one of the past presidents of the Alberta Goat Association, was on talking about the goat industry and a goat conference coming up at the end of October of that year and about the benefits of the of owning goats and uh and how there's such a demand for goat meat and goat products in Canada that I was like well that makes sense there's you know seems like they're fairly similar to cattle other than your size and the amount of food that you need to have is something I could probably catch on to really quickly and something that my non non-farm husband who's a welder would be able to do on his own if I wasn't there to to help them if there was an issue on the farm. We went to our first conference, Alberta Goat Conference in 2012, I believe, in Camrose, and you know, had a pretty big eye-opener and, and learned a lot. And the following year, we went to another conference. And in 2000, kind of went to keep going to conferences and learning. And then 2015, we purchased our first main herd of Kegel Crosses. Awesome. So you mentioned you you raise Kiko crosses. Um, was there a reason that you picked that breed? Uh, what was your what was your process for for choosing what kind of goats to raise? Often at Alberta goat conferences, they will have a show and sale uh, at the end of the conference. And throughout the conference, when you're taking breaks, you can go and look at all the different breeds that people have brought there, and growing up with an Angus background, I kind of know what I like in a structure of, of cattle and, uh, and the fact, you know, I find that can't Angus cattle are a lot lower maintenance. So people will not agree, but that's how I felt, um, compared to some other breeds. And that was one thing that caught my eye with the, the Kikos. They were a relatively new breed that, uh, was, created in New Zealand, there was a husband and wife team that saw there was many feral goats uh, across New Zealand. When New Zealand was being colonized, people from all over the world brought their goats and then just 
there's no predators there, so they just let them roam free. And eventually there was thousands and thousands and thousands of feral goats across New Zealand starting to cause some ecological issues. So this husband and wife team, they and some other producers got together and caught the, all the feral goats. Feral goats were kind of a cross of, of some uh, different dairy breeds. And what they did is they called for the ones that had the best feet, the best parasite resistance, the best teats, the best mothering skills, best growth rates, everything you would want in an animal for high production. And the rest of them, they called them and you know sent them out again for a year to you know see you know to help build that parasite uh, resistance and understanding them. And then eventually they had um, you know the kikioniu is what they're called in New Zealand. Unfortunately, sometimes fell hard onto those three producers and they ended up selling the genetic licensing to an American and from there that's how the Kikos slowly made their way throughout the United States into eastern Canada into Quebec and then now slowly back out to the west so uh, again I you know I really appreciate that I'm I can go out there and do a Flamancha check on my does anytime and and know how everybody's doing for their worm loads and for their growth rates. It's, uh, I really I like the breed a lot for their height and size. Nice. So you've got experience with both. What would you say is the biggest difference between raising goats and raising cattle? Nothing's more of a nightmare when you're trying to get a calf to suck on a cow and she keeps kicking you. Yeah, nothing's more frustrating <laughs> than that or that big calf is just dumb and can't figure it out. Uh, you can have the same problems with goats as well, but the goat doe that's kicking it, it's a lot easier to tie her foot back and be patient with her than a 1,700-pound cow <laughs> kicking at you. <laughs> that's fair. It's the main thing, like, goats are ruminants, so they have four stomachs as well, similar to cattle. Um, and compared to cattle and goats, require the same minerals. So that makes it a lot easier mm. for... Uh, for producers to get into it. So often what we're seeing in Alberta is those old cattle ranchers are retiring. They sell the herds and then about a year or two later, they're still quite bored. They want to still be in livestock production. So often they'll start coming to Alberta goat conferences and start researching and be like, oh, well, why not goats? You know, they, you know, other than you need to downsize your, you know, your working facilities, other than that, you know, your, your feed, your mineral, and your pastures pretty much are all the same and you need to you know, buff up your fencing and downsize your, your working chute. And from there on, it's fairly easy. Cool. All right. Are there any significant differences between goats and sheep that you've heard of? Yes. So goats need copper, uh, where sheep do need just a very, very tiny bit. You, know, you can have sheep and cattle together. But the problem is, is any blocks you have out there need to have like pretty much no copper in them, but your cattle still do require copper. So that's uh, one, one of those type of things. And with goats, there are goats that are wool goats or a fiber goat, but you're not having to do the same amount of care as you, you know, with docking tails as you would have to do with sheep. And goats have that instinct to like, yeah, come back to the barn every night. Um, I just find that they're smarter 
maybe, and maybe some sheep producers won't agree with that, <laughs> but goats are known to be more mischievous and be curious about things and can get themselves into trouble that way. Um, but you know, goats are much more diverse for land and, and production. That makes sense. And in terms of diversity, good segue, um, goats are used for a lot of different purposes. Like there's standard meat and dairy, similar to, to sheep or cattle, but they also do stuff like vegetation control a lot with goats and, and that sort of thing. So can you talk about uh, the different goat industries a little bit? So in Alberta, we have pretty much four, four to five main industries. You have your meat, your dairy. So, you know, your dairy also includes yogurts, butters, uh, soap, lotions, um, hand cream, and milk. Dairy, goat dairy is uh, not exactly lactose uh, lactose free. It has less lactose in it. So that's why if you are lactose intolerant, mm -hmm. often uh, they can have goat dairy without it upsetting your stomach as much. And the other industry is uh, fiber. So we have two goats in Alberta, there's, um, the Angora and the Cashmere, sometimes known as the Savannah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Angora, they have wool on them. And their wool is these tight, cute little curls. And the often the cinches of, not often, but sometimes, some cinches of saddles, will horses saddles, will be made out of Angora fibers. The Angora wool doesn't shrink and does and is a stronger fiber than sheep's wool is so often they'll use it on mm. cinches for saddles because it's just a much longer lasting longer product and can handle as has the same bacteria uh, resistance to it as well as like wool does sheep's wool and um mm. and then cashmere all goats have cashmere it's just their undercoat but the savannah goat um, or some people just call them cashmere goats are just known. They're just fluffy. They're very, very fluffy in the wintertime. And they'll sit there with the comb and they'll comb out the, the undercoat on them. And they'll sell, and that's where you get oh. your cashmere sweaters and scarves and blankets. It's a lot of love and labor to uh, pull the, to comb, I should say the fibers out of those goats and vegetation control. Um, <laughs> More counties and organizations and companies are looking, trying to find more environmental friendly ways to deal with um, weeds on the, either a pipeline or a clear cut, or even in the counties on ditches. Um, when right. you get too close to a water source, you can't spray there. And so you're stuck with you know, paying somebody to pick. <laughs> that can always, not always go as well. <laughs> or with goats because they are browse animals they love woody things so you look at like thistle they eat the top of that thistle head right away and goats will break it down so much in the rumen that only like 0.06 percent of the seeds will germinate after it passes through their system compared to horses and cows mm -hmm. and sheep where it doesn't break down as much and ends up just being free a manure for those thistle plants to spread and grow in um, so yeah there's a lot of there's lots of uh like in the cities of medicine hat lethbridge Emting, calgary Lloydminster, everywhere they are using either goats or sheep to do grazing in their parks or in access areas that are too close to water that they can't spray and they keep you know trying to weed whack it and it's just not you know it just ends up spreading more and it's really great for 
right. urban people to see uh, some real animals like goats and sheep that uh, they get pretty excited uh, about seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's always rules: don't pet the dogs, don't pet the, the goats, and don't feed the goats. <laughs> Just let them let them do their jobs, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, even in uh, yes. yeah pipelines, clear cuts. They're sending those goats into those areas to make sure if there was any weeds that were on the equipment that might drop, the goats are there to clean it up so that way the natural brush can come back through without having to compete with with weeds. And uh, the other recreational ones right. is um, goat yoga is a really, really popular one right now. The Alberta Goat Association gets asked often to, if there is a producer that they know that could come to Klondike Days and do goat yoga for the public um go yoga is one people often will have will ask producers if they are willing or interested in um bring their goats to a little one's birthday party almost like a petting zoo but just specifically goats and especially Mm -hmm. like in california and in hollywood that some people there's people that make really good money on bringing two little pygmy goats to a party and and the goats get the party with all the yeah. <laughs> all the A-list celebrities <laughs> and their kids, I guess. And uh, the other one that's come becoming more people are becoming interested in is uh, goat packing in Alberta and in Canada. Uh, we're, we have one producer who's really into it, and uh, we're working with him to make sure uh, he can, you know, he's packing safely and keeping everybody uh, feeling comfortable about what his practices are while going out into the the back country. And yeah, it's an older um, industry, you know, probably on, before the 1900s, a lot of people use goats for packing and for as a, as a wagon animal. Um, but as industry changed, they kind of, that practice kind of fell out, but now it's right. starting to become more, people are more interested in it. That's cool. Just because we mentioned that goats are browsers, so compared to, to sheep or cows, they, they are more willing to eat woody plants and thistles and that sort of stuff so you're managing in a boreal forest type ecosystem does that have any effects on on your grazing management compared to maybe people who are managing in more grasslands or parklands sort of country yeah so goats have evolved over the years to eat high so often when you have parasites that are on on the grass blades there are certain stages of them that are there and goats will prefer to eat the top inch of grass and then move along. And where you have a um, multi-species system, so you have, you send your goats through, they'll eat the top of your grasslands area, and then they'll move on into your woody area if it's available. And you have your cattle, your horse, horses come along and they like, they can handle the parasite load that's lower down. If you're letting your goats eat too low down and you know, hopefully you've, you know, if you've worked on your goats to have a parasite management where they can handle that much, but they often just, they've evolved to stay, not be able to handle that large of a load closer to the ground. So they will eat it. But the idea, if you want to you know, be productive and keep a healthy herd is to eat the top of it and then move into the bush. So my, on my farm, they have the option of some open area and lots of trees to go into because their hooves are smaller they're easier on their ecosystems they don't like compared to like horses are going up to the mountains and they leave big hoof prints and you know, kind of damage the terrain same thing with cattle but if you send goats into that an area like that just because their hoof prints are so small and their weight is lighter they don't leave as much of a scar and they'll we've got like 15 foot poplars in our area and they're walking 
those trees down they put it underneath the armpit and they'll walk that down and it's like they work together so that they could bend that tree down and eat the leaves on it and yeah they they love it even um at christmas time if we cut down our own tree at our place they'll once we're sure that we won't have any leftover decorations on it we pass it over into the goats in the corrals and they eat the needles off it they eat the bark off of it right clean it's a, a great, great recycling. Um, and same thing with with Halloween. As long as you don't have, you know, anything on the pumpkin left over that's you know could be poisonous, the the goats will eat your old pumpkins as well. Awesome. So in terms of like pasture management, since goats uh, only eat that kind of top inch of of grass before moving into trees and shrubs, uh, is there something different? that you watch for in terms of when it's time to move your animals from one paddock into the next, uh, as compared to something like a cow or a horse that would uh, graze a little lower? I will watch for the goats that have how low they're eating, and often they will start to reach through the fence to start eating the tops of the grass on the other side. Uh, also, you know, once I see that they've kind of gone through the bush and kind of eaten everything they can, like goats love willows and they love caraganas, they'll eat those eat those right down to the ground but you don't want to keep them all in one area you want them to keep kind of moving on so that way you have that pasture rotation mm-hmm. where you can your parasites can uh won't build up or become immune to anything it's so that you're that's what we look for so they start kind of reaching through the fence then you know that they're looking for something else from the top and, and if you don't catch that right away then yeah they're going to start eating your pasture down to the ground and you're going to have worm worm issues mm-hmm. so I'm not really familiar with goats. Um, can you tell me a bit about what a, a typical year or, or management cycle, I guess, looks like in, in goat production? In uh, Alberta, because we have the longer, colder winters, we'll, we usually do one kidding a season. A goat's gestation is about five months. and uh, But it is possible to do three kiddings over two years. It's just uh, you have to have the facilities in order to to house them. So mm. for us, what we do is right about this time of the year, um, the does have been weaned off their kids for a couple months now. And come November, no, if, before November 15th, we will uh, vaccinate our does and trim up their hooves, check for what their parasite loads are, try to deal with that if there is any. And uh, we will separate them into separate, separate pens and we will start to introduce our bucks. Just, we like to know which buck goes with which does for our registration purposes. And so, yeah, they spend the rest of the winter uh, outside. We have uh, calf shelters are about 16 feet long and short and with the sides mostly closed in so they can use their own heat to keep the, the shelter warm itself. And we're putting lots of clean, clean, dry straw in there, you know, maintaining that. We have uh, heated waters that we make sure they're cleaned out. And so they're always having, they're not drinking cold water that will drop their temperature. And uh, with goats, you you can get some pretty big bags and um, and they'll have larger teats. Those animals you'll have to watch for because, you know, just even like cattle, we've gotten this really cold minus 40 for, you know, feels like weeks on end. You, know, you just need to watch that their bags aren't aren't freezing and you know, clean dry area, nice you know clean, good hay. Goats are low can't don't do very well on well not they don't do very well they can do very well on silage, 
but their systems aren't as adapted to handle listeriosis as well. And, you know, mm. cattle can still get listeriosis, but goats, if there is any, any bit of it, you might be like, oh, the cattle can have it. Goats can't handle it at all. So we often, we uh, urge producers not to go with silage just because there's such a risk to get listeriosis um, from silage. But yeah, good, clean, dry hay, lots of protein and uh, nutrition for your does that are going to be bred so they can make, you know, do little effort to make those babies. And in Alberta, we are also very low in selenium and copper. So um, other than having the copper in with our mineral, our in the fall time, we always give our does a shot of selenium. Uh, and they also have free choice to it. But it just seems that um, even with all the you know, loose selenium mineral that they have, it just still isn't quite enough to, mean, to have enough so you can get through a season without having selenium issues come in springtime. So we'll yeah, breed in November, about November 15th, come beginning of April. Um, we're sorry, coming into March, we'll start, we'll do another a round of vaccines for the beginning of the year. And we won't trim hooves at that time because it could be kind of stressful moving the does around. So we'll vaccinate, give them another shot of selenium, and we'll start getting ready for kidding. And they'll usually start about April 6th, and they'll be the does that are usually having quads or triplets that will be kidding first. Um, goats can, yeah, quads and triplets, twins, goats, you always want them to have at least have twins. Uh, we kind of have a two rule, uh, two strikes are out on our farm. You know, your first year kidding, it was a doling, uh, however, your first year kidding, she has one. Okay. We can kind of let it go. Uh, but come the second year, we're, we're expecting some production of that doe to either have be having, you know, nice size twins or be having triplets that she can manage. Um, Right. And yeah, from there, we do have a barn that is heated. So if, when we do have this really cold weather, uh, we can bring the does into the barn, set the temperature at five degrees in there. And it, once they are in there, they feel their, their heat keeps the place pretty warm and toasty. Um, but yeah, we'll let the does uh, kid outside. And once they are, have their kids kind of got them cleaned off, depending on the elements, we'll drag them into the barn as soon as possible and get them into their own kidding stalls. So they can buddy up with the kids. We can, because we're doing registration and you know, we are a breeder, we will uh, we'll weigh them, dip their navels, uh, check for any defects and make sure that uh, strip, strip moms teach so that you know, we can just walk away and, and you know, manage and make sure that they're, everything is going well. Uh, right. And then, yeah, once we're there, once they you know, look like they buddy up over at least over 24 hours or more, um, We'll, we have another pen that we send them into where they have a bunch of little toys that the kids can play on, and, uh, and which is pretty entertaining to watch them. Uh, they're just like little human kids. Oh, there's a trampoline. Oh, there's a, a slide. I got to check it out. And they're uh, pretty fun to, to watch in those uh, scenarios. Um, and after that, once we get some tall enough grass out in the pasture there, try to get to at least be four inches tall. And it's hard to, you know, the does are wanting out so badly to stick and see and smell that grass on the other side of the corrals. Uh, once they're in there, you know, we have um, four pastures that we can rotate them through and the bucks will go into a completely separate pasture that the does won't um, meet up with them. They'll be far enough away that the bucks can stay in there and there's enough grass for them to get through the whole, awesome. the whole season. All right. Uh, is there something you're especially proud of on your operation? Uh, yes, my husband, I'm very fortunate that my husband is a welder. 
So I am really proud of our facilities and their organization and the fact that we can use steel to make our pens mm. and our, our biosecurity as well is really important to us. Um, you know, we're able to, you know, people aren't able to drive past the house and go right to the, the crowds. They will see them and, you know, if they want a tour and so yeah, you can either dip your boots or put these other boots on, or you can put booties on and we can go for a tour. And the fact that, you know, you can drive around our corrals um, without interacting with the goats or interfering with them and still be able to see them clearly is, uh, is really, uh, really important and to our biosecurity. Right. This is just a question for my own, my own curiosity. I know um, with sheep, uh, there's less head gates and more uh, like, almost squeezes and stuff for handling systems. Um, how do handling systems work with goats? They're pretty much just the mini version of cattle ones. So we have a handling system made by Zubat Welding and it you we have our area, then we have the area where we push them into a crowding tub. And then from the crowding tub, mm -hmm. they go into an alleyway where it's got a divider in it. And the sides can come down. So if there is a goat in there that we don't want, or you know, a kid that's getting squished or something, we can reach in there and pull it out quickly. Or you know, if it's one that we need to put someplace else, it's easy. And um, the the cattle squeeze itself um, is essentially we've kind of made our own because with Kikos, their horns grow quite wide, even for the does. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the sheep ones that people kind of multi-use for goats aren't. Uh, they're not as wide so when the does get in there they start getting stuck or caught on everything and then once they figure out to turn their head and go forward it's not so bad but it's uh i imagine even with the cattle guys that are you know long horn uh breeders or breeders that have cattle with long wider horns set that you kind of have mm -hmm. to modify your system so that you know the cow can stick her turn her head sideways and get through and then you can close um, the catch gate on her um so okay. for us we have a dog scale that we bought off of amazon that has built a plate underneath it and so we can weigh the does or the kids whenever we need to and we have a catch cage on there with a with a purusha catch cage head gate as well and uh other than it's a sliding i guess how do i explain it? it's kind of it pinches the doe's head so she can put her head through and then you have to slide mm. it over uh not quite like a cattle on where they hit with their shoulders and then it locks. You kind of have to get the doe's head through and then lock it in place. And then from there, we can manage, uh, you know, giving vaccines, checking hooves. Um, we have another device for hoof trimming. Uh, it's a spinner uh, that the goats will walk onto and we catch them, squeeze them, and we just use our hands. There's hydraulic ones as well, but this is just manual. You need to spin it and drop a gate and you can trim the doe's moves really quickly there um for a long time we've used that uh, just um goat hoof snippers we've evolved into using electric tools <laughs> with a with a hoof grinder on it or and that's uh saves a lot of time on getting those hooves trimmed down for for the season i bet <laughs> um so to change tax slightly i know you uh, work with Alberta goat producers. Uh, so you, can you tell me a bit about that group and what and what they do? Yeah, so currently I sit as the Alberta Goat Association president. I've been on the board since about 2016. 
was when I joined. And uh, so the Alberta goat, we are the representation for the goat industry from the provincial government. It's a disease breakout, anything that happens, uh, we're the first ones in contact. And uh, our association, if we have about 95 goat members right now, not everybody has goats, but they're looking to get into it. So they're part of our program so that they can learn. Uh, usually every year we put on a conference, but the, you know, with COVID, we haven't been able to confidently put one on. Um, we have, our board has a couple older uh, members that we want to protect them. And we also want to protect our producers. So, and also putting on conferences is a lot of money. So it's, uh, it's not fair to us to ask our membership for money and then have to cancel the conference, right? And, and lose those deposits on things. So we've been doing this past year and a half, Absolutely. we've been doing online conferencing. Um, I know everybody's kind of tired of Zoom and Zoom meetings, but it's the best way we can get information out uh, to our producers about, uh, we've had discussion about Moby, we've had goat nutrition, we've had, we're going to start our third session on uh, goats for beginners. We've had two already, and this end of October, we'll be having our third session. It's free to our members, and we ask this 20 bucks from the public to, to join, because I make the slideshow. I don't quite do the talking, but it's a lot of time and, and energy <clears throat> into those things. And there's no, a um, lot of government funding isn't available anymore. So, you know, anything in membership we have, we, we keep it and try to put it back into our producers mm-hmm. or into any possible research that we have. Um, or and a lot of time we donate money to the 4-H groups. So if there's a young goat breeder that's having a goat show with their 4-H and they ask for sponsorship, we put money towards that. Um, and yeah, we try to get anything that's happening in the scientific world or research world that could affect our Alberta goat producers. We're there to be the voice for them or to get that research to come into Alberta. And so our producers can be a part of it at either no cost or a very low cost to them. That's awesome. So speaking of getting research into Alberta, um, you mentioned before we started recording that you're working on getting maybe the International Goat Association Research Conference in Alberta. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's always been um, a big goal of mine since it's been on the board to have Canada be a, uh, a leader or a star in the goat world. Um, I realized that you know, there's a lot of countries like India and Nepal and China, they have far more goats than people, where in Canada, I think there's probably still more people than goats. But with Canada, uh, we're, we have that strong cattle background in, with us, and I think there's more, more cowboys are starting to look at goats as another option as they retire or as a multi-species grazing option. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we have the facilities, we have the safety and we have the researchers in Canada that, that are interested. Um, Peace Country Beef and Forages, even Dr. Akeem, him and I have had lots of talks about doing a project on goat and cattle grazing because um, that's what he did his uh, his schooling on in when he from his original country there. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's a it's a big undertaking, and uh, I we're we have to have our bid in by or our paper for a bid for in by July of next year and then present next year as being hosted in uh, Hungary 
and I will myself or my vice president will get to present our bid and hopefully they'll, they'll pick ours. And one of the things I think Canada has really strong going for it other than, you know, either hosting it or Edmonton or Calgary is, you know, we are, we have the, the facilities and the resources and, and the drive for the research with the different veterinary colleges we have in Canada. They're all on board and very interested in this bid. And we're extremely excited that we have so many uh, outlets that I, and, and people I've never I've met before uh, to be excited and wanting to help on this, um, this bid to get it back into North America. It's been held in Mexico and Brazil, but never in the United States or Canada. So I'm, I'm hoping to get more of that happening. And my last question is, is there something you wish more people knew about goat production? In Canada, there is a demand for goat meat and goat uh, resources. So 60% of the world's red meat consumption is goat. So you look at South America, Mexico area, Eastern Europe, lots part many parts of Africa, Southeast Asia, Asia itself, they all in some sorts eat goat. And we in Canada have many new Canadians that are coming in and they are looking for goat meat. Right now, I believe it's about 80% of Canada's goat meat comes from either Australia or New Zealand. And it comes in these frozen one inch chunks that you can buy at a superstore for, I think mm-hmm. it's a pound and a half is like gonna cost you about 21 bucks. Oof. And yeah, and that really hurts me as a goat producer because I don't get that much when I sell them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, People, I often get a lot of phone calls uh, from people in the peace country looking for, for goat meat for their different holidays and different family events. And uh, same thing I've, you know, I've seen on different places like, oh, well, I'm looking, you know, my, my baby can't handle uh, my breast milk or cattle's milk and they're having lost of reaction to it. You know, where can I find goat milk? I'm like, well, actually, you know, we have in Alberta, we have a boss dairy farm they're the top goat milk producers in Western Canada. They supply goat milk for all of Western Canada, uh, you know, to give that a try. And often when Alberta goat is doing uh, as at a booth at some sort of uh, convention or trade show, I always try to make sure if I'm running the booth that I have uh, goat milk and goat cheese samples and, or even uh, fiber samples for people to feel how soft it is and, or, you know, to see if they're allergic to it, because sometimes people have those issues too, and even uh, the lotions mm-hmm. um, that they're, you know, so that they can see like, oh, wow, goats have a lot of, uh, a lot to them that is really positive and that they need. So I, that was also the, some of the reasons that I looked at, at it too, is that there's a demand for goat meat and there's just not enough goats in Canada yet to meet that demand. Awesome. And are there any other resources or websites you'd like to mention or promote before we sign off? Alberta Goats has a Facebook page. So follow us on there to see what we're up to for any updates or uh, any service announcements that might be having in the province. All right. So things we're planning to have if we do get the bid to host the conference in Alberta is to have a goat show of for meat for the fiber, for the dairy industry, and also to get the urban 
uh, community involved as well. So we would be having a lotion, uh, soap making, cheese making uh, competition so that it's not such a rural feeling to it. It has the urban uh, community can also be involved. We're also looking at having a cooking competition. So there's so many great restaurants in Alberta, Edmonton, Calgary, everywhere, even in Fairview, uh, Butter Chicken, Chef Mo, he's bought and goes for me, but inviting those, the cooking competition to, we have so many great new Canadian restaurants in Canada that uh, have goats on their menu. And to get more urban people familiar with goat dishes, we also are planning on inviting them to come and have a booth there to for people to sample different types of goats from different cultures and maybe find the recipes and give them the confidence to have more goat meat in their dishes at home. So that'll be that'll be really exciting to have uh, have that multicultural part to our conference as well. <laughs> Definitely. All right. I think with that, we better, uh, I better let you get back to your own projects. Um, but thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for this. I, I've learned some stuff about goats today, so that's exciting. Yeah, that's not a problem. And if any producers have any questions about goats and getting into goats, I strongly suggest that they go to the Alberta Goat website and reach out to our directors there and, or, and myself. Um, we do do farm tours on our place so if you want to see what a goat production is what you would need to kind of get into it um, you know i'm available most days of the week to, to do a tour peace country beef and forage association is a research and extension group based out of fairview alberta our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable regenerative and attractive to future generations to learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening.